Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. Each week we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, News Editor at FT Advisor, and today I'll be discussing the spring statement and what it means for advisors and their clients with Claire Trott, Divisional Director at St. James's Place, and Chris Efferington, Private Client Tax Partner at RSM. Welcome to you both and thank you for joining us. The Chancellor in his spring statement last week stopped short of scrapping the health and social care levy, but instead raised the threshold from which workers start to pay national insurance by almost £3,000 to £12,570 um, to put it in line with income tax. And then the other one of the big announcements they came out with was that by 2024, he pledged to cut the basic rate of income tax by 1p from 20p in the pound to 19p. But obviously, some have said that this just hasn't gone far enough to help consumers in the economy at the moment. Uh, so I thought we could start by just discussing whether these measures do go far enough, um, in your opinion. Um, Claire, I don't know if you want to kick us off. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was a big surprise, I think, that there wasn't more for those people on fixed income, so pensioners or people who are on universal credit and different things like that. So the the changes, yep, they're welcome, obviously paying less national insurance and starting paying less national insurance you know, for, for, for the lower earners, absolutely brilliant. But it is proportional. We have to remember it doesn't come in until July. So there's only going to be 11,000 or so. Like it's not going up to the full 12,000 in the next tax year. Um, but um, for those people who are, are suffering inflation now, um, the, 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 the change to income tax is going to make no difference. We, we hope we're going to be out of this by the point that that comes in. So I don't think it, it went far enough for those people who are really in need now or, and those people that can do very little about it because of their fixed levels of income. Yeah, sure, I think, I, I think that's right. I think that, and, and you can tell broadly that he's, he's coming under a fair bit of criticism for the uh, lack of action, if you like, in this budget. It's not entirely a, a big surprise, to be honest with you. He, 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 he sort of signalled his thinking and what this was all going to be about in this spring statement. Ultimately, it's not a budget. You know, if this is something which we all thought until a couple of weeks ago, probably about a month or so ago, it was just going to be an economic update more than anything else. You know, he's he's done quite a lot on tax last year. He's been making noises around not wanting to raise taxes in particular, but things have changed and things change quickly and whereas you know beginning of the pandemic he was seen as a man of action i think in this budget or rather the spring statement which isn't a budget he's he's had the opportunity to make some big uh, statements some big changes and he hasn't taken that opportunity you know he came out to start with with three measures um and you know those sort of barely touched the sides really and it, it one was on fuel duty so that's been cut by 5p a litre obviously that that's a help but as some people have quite rightly pointed out the the increase in in inflation on on prices on fuel you know the vat take on that alone will far outweigh the saving that uh, that taxpayers will benefit from then we had measures like reducing um you know zero reducing vat on things like um wind turbines and energy efficient equipment in your homes again the the costs of installation are going to massively put off people from doing all sorts of stuff so this is kind of stuff which isn't really going to have a massive impact and then he's he's done another measure called doubling the household support fund yeah these things when he announced those three as a as a starting point there was some heckling from the crowd if you like within the house of commons saying is that it 
and and to be fair, I think a lot of people were sort of looking around each other going, that that doesn't sound very much. So, yes, we have these further measures which were meant to make a big splash later on. But as Claire quite rightly says, the income tax one in particular feels like quite a political statement. Um, it's great that we've got a plan and that we, we've this, at least the, the bare bones of a plan that we know where the direction of travel. But why announce it now? You know, what is needed is help for taxpayers at this moment in time, not in a couple of years time. Do you think it's kind of, you know, like biding time and seeing how it goes rather than being like, right, let's deal with it now. And then because who knows, like we didn't know this was coming our way. And by next year, it might just sort itself out. I mean, it's unlikely, but we don't really know. Do you reckon he's just kind of waiting to see what happens? I think there is a little bit of that because, as I say, we are in unprecedented times. Dare I use that, those terminology again? I think we had this conversation last year, unprecedented times. But, I mean, they're hoping like the war in Ukraine will be short-lived. You know, we might be, you know have um, less um, costs on fuel. That might come back down. Inflation might start coming back down. And I think that there is a hope. That, that that might be the case. They might be able to use other economic levers to, to try and sort of slow that because it really is inflation that's causing uh, a lot of these problems for, for people. It's, and, and it's so extreme for that people haven't seen it in such a long time that they are noticing it when they're going to the shops, when they're going to the petrol station. I don't know about you, but I didn't actually see a drop in. I haven't seen a drop in the local price of petrol. Um, and um, it's, you know, those those sort of things really... No, we hope they're short-lived, and I think he hopes they're short-lived. So if you did a a, a major statement and, uh, and and cut a lot of things back, and actually inflation did suddenly come down, yet yeah, you'd look like you'd done something and you'd actually fixed it as such. But then what you're doing is you, you, the the tax take will have gone down, and then the, they but they do need that money to come into the government to to fund everything that's been paid for in the last couple of years. So it's a really difficult position, I think. I I, I agree. I think he's. He's, he's in a little bit of a tricky spot because this, I think it's fair to say, you know, he wasn't intending to make this a big fiscal announcement. You know, I think you can see that from the documentations and the and the announcements that have been made. It feels a little rushed. And I suspect the plan was always to, to make the budget later this year a much bigger event. And He's, he's been making noises around not wanting to have to pull the levers of government, if you like, to respond to every single crisis. He said this in the last budget. You know, he was talking about you know, what, what role should government have in society every time there's a crisis? Should we be stepping in to do something? And his view is, no, we shouldn't be. And if you do want us to do so, then you're going to have to pay for it with extra taxes, which he doesn't want to do. You've got you can't divorce this from the politics as well. You know, clearly there's there's a there's going to be an election in in maybe next year, maybe the year after. And yeah, the Chancellor probably views himself as somebody who had credit in the bank, maybe up until this point. You know, he's had a few he's had a bit of an Ed Miliband moment with with issues with not knowing how to use a, a contactless card payment and and you know using somebody else's Kia Rio to to fill up his car for some you know uh, paparazzi shots, if you like. Um and and that doesn't necessarily help him in terms of where he's positioning positioning himself because I think that does play a part in you know what what speed he wants to go at in terms of you know giving tax cuts to everybody the measures he's he's taken in terms of increasing the um, the thresholds from NI they're, they're perfectly sound measures you know I don't think anybody has a has a criticism of that it's just that it doesn't go far enough and there's as a result. He's, he's misread the room slightly and, and 
to, to, if you come out of any fiscal announcement and you're being badged as Mr. Tax and you're a Conservative Chancellor, that's probably not a good thing. And what do you think kind of advisors think about these measures? Um, like, will it make them harder to kind of plan for their clients in the future, knowing that all of these changes will be coming down the line? I think it gives them something to talk to their clients about. And I think that's the thing, you know, with especially around the, the, the pension changes, you know, national insurance, you can you can have conversation. There is things that you can do, you know, um, to, to try and mitigate. I mean, salary sacrifice, that conversation on, on pensions is ever stronger um, because, you know, if you can if you get out of paying, I was going to say legitimately not pay national insurance, then, you know, that saving is, is significant and it's even more significant next year. So, uh, and if you can get that sort of money coming across from from employers to to individuals, it's not money in their pocket as such, but depends on how they do it. But in most cases, it's money in their pension. It's long term saving. So, you know, there there are things that uh, advisors can do to have those conversations. And there's timing issues regarding paying pension contributions, even with a one percent. Um, it, it may seem seem slightly ridiculous. You start thinking, actually, do we want to get the money in now and get 20% in my pension? Or do I want to get the money in later, get 19% in my pension and 20 odd extra, so I get the extra 1% in my pocket in a couple of years time? Because of the use of the flexibility of carry forward for those higher earners, again, it's it's a, it's something that can be done. For, for someone who's an average basic rate taxpayer, it's the usual thing. Um, it, it's not going to change the way they plan, utilise what you can now, pay in as soon as you can. All of those things are still good advice. Um, but um, and even down to the level of like children's pensions, getting the money in now will save yourself 1% than if you're going to put the money into to kids' pensions in two years' time. It's that you know, start soon, get the money in, don't waste your allowances. Um, it is driven even more just just by that, I mean, just by that 1%. Um, so I, I think there, there's lots of things that um, advisors can talk to their clients about. But if you just looked at the headlines, you it, you had to dig into it and have those thoughts to, to actually get to that. So it, your average client on the street will not even be considering that anything in that announcement had anything to do with pensions. I think there were nine mentions of pensions, and that included all the tables in the back of the spring statement um, and, and all the references to, to work and pensions, you know, um, all of that. That that was it, nine, nine mentions. So nothing in the main body of it. Um, so you could quite easily think, actually, there's nothing we can do about this. But there's all those knock on effects for anything with income tax and national insurance, all those moving parts uh, for small businesses, as well as um, for for your average person on the street that, that can drive conversations and drive support that advisors can give to their clients. Yeah. And, and I think from an income tax perspective, you know, this this basic rate cut isn't quite as straightforward as people might think there is a bit of you know more detail behind it it doesn't apply to everything so it applies to earnings and it applies to savings income but for example it doesn't apply to dividend income so yet to some extent we've got a, a further attack if you like on business owners and how they're going to be able to extract profits from their businesses you know the the traditional route of being able to take dividend payments out of your company is 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 slowly being eroded over time you know, we had it ordinarily. It used to be the case that somebody would take a really relatively notional salary out of their own business and then top it up with with extraction by profit or profits by way of dividend. If you actually, you know, tot up all the various taxes because we've got an increased corporation tax coming down the line as well. That's with the fact that you've got a health and social care levy that applies to dividend income, and you've also got um, you know, this basic rate 
cut is not applying to it, you end up, you know, there's going to be you know, not much in it actually between salary and uh, and dividends. So, yeah, for for certain investors and for certain you know people taking profits out of their own businesses, there are things in the detail that you need to work through here. You know, things people who are living off investment income in retirement may be adversely impacted by this. You know, it's a strange. Um, side effect, if you like, that if you if you were, say, a landlord and you had rental income, you're not going to be paying the health and social care levy on your rental profits and your benefit from this 1% cut in, in 20% to 19% from 2024. 20, but if you're a pensioner and you're living off dividend income from investments in a share portfolio, you'll be hit with a health and social care levy potentially on your dividend income, but also you won't benefit from this cut. So yeah, what, suddenly landlords seem to be doing better off than, than pensioners, which I, I suspect wasn't an expected outcome, but is something that, again, plays to, has this been slightly rushed through rather than really thought through? Yeah, I think this is where we get back to that, you know, uh, understanding where the best places to take income from and the best ways to extract profits from a business becomes so much more complicated that um, it, it's it's driving the, the the need for advice from both accountants and from uh, from financial advisors because there's there are all those moving parts and actually I think it will continue to drive uh, the all asset approach for investment because you're not going to want to put everything into your pension because it, you want to have these different levers for when you retire to be able to access your money in what is the most appropriate thing at the time um historically it was it, it was relatively simple you knew which order you should take things you knew you know roughly where where you were going to um take your income and pensions used to be number one now pensions are the last thing that you're likely to touch due to the the tax benefits of them and the iht benefits and the death benefits so um i, I think you know this this will drive a different way to fund for retirement and a different way to to fund for short-term uh, investment as well because of all of those those different moving parts. It's quite interesting. You talk about the the the, the change with the corporation tax and the dividends and the social care levy. Uh, Tony Wickenden, who I, I work with, has run some numbers on this. And actually, when we get to the point where you've got the profits that are hit with a marginal rate of corporation tax, and if you're an additional rate taxpayer, salary actually wins outright over dividends. So there are very niche areas where the our usual understanding of the best way to extract things is completely turned on its head. So uh, it's it's going to become more and more difficult to to pinpoint those legitimate planning tools to to minimise tax and national insurance, which in essence is an urban tax. We should we should be honest about that. <laughs> there is one certainty, though. I think that we're going to see more changes, and you know this. It, it, the, going back to your question, Amy, in terms of should he have done more, and has he been a bit too cautious? He he has, and and part of that is because he doesn't. The Chancellor doesn't know where we're going to end up. And obviously, we've got inflation rising and, and a fairly large national debt. And he's he's played his cards fairly safely. But simply by the measures he's taken previously, freezing all the income tax allowances, freezing the IHT bans, there are fairly conservative estimates by Institution of Fiscal Studies, for example, saying that it could be 20 billion extra in, in terms of revenues. If you just looked at the tax take from from sort of like a year ago to the current year, it's about forty billion, over forty billion, better off. You know, he's got some headroom there, and yes, he's he's not broadly speaking cutting one percent on income tax if it covered all types of income, usually equates to sort of six billion pounds. So, you know, he's still plenty of room there to be doing some giveaways in the future. He just hasn't chosen to do do that now. Now, politically, it's, it's turned out to be the wrong decision. That arguably. 
but certainly later in the year, I think we can expect that there's going to be, this is just going to be the start. You know, there's going to be further measures. And yes, we've suffered quite a lot of tax pain in as a, as a UK nation, if you like, over the last year or so. Um, the tax burden is still at the highest level as, as it has been for the last 75 years. Politically, they're going to want to start you know, making like, making life a bit easier for us. And, and it, it, he may be forced to do a few sort of emergency measures, as he has done in the past. There's already talks of him being forced into maybe doing further measures in terms of council tax rebates and so on. You know, that's something that he won't want to be you know, want, want to do. It won't it almost be seen like a U-turn, if you like, on his normal policy. Uh, that's never a good look. But the, the, the media pressure and the response to this, this Supreme Statement has been you know, pretty pretty telling. Um, and, and I guess some, yeah, to some extent, we'll have to wait and see what happens with wider economic events like Russia and Ukraine and what that means to the economy. And he's, he's certainly got wriggle room to be able to do something at short notice if he needs to. Sure. So do you think that if we are still kind of in the same position that we are now, that we still could see a few shockers coming our way in what November normally is? Yeah, it's, it, it depends what, what shockers in terms of po- maybe positive shockers rather than negative ones. But one of the one of the three sort of tenets of his tax plan, as he badged it, is sharing the uh, the growth fairly, and that's part of the reason why you know he's, he's actually complicated this tax system even further by having you know an income tax cut, if you like, on on earners and uh, on on savers albeit not many people are making much return on their savings at the moment um but not on dividend income because he's basically penalizing business owners by 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 virtue of doing that measure that way um what does the sharing of growth look like you know we've there were various things that always get people excited in terms of different ways of taxing the population a wealth tax is something that is very emotive that keeps coming up and up again and we've just had news this week of joe biden looking to introduce a 20 percent minimum tax on the very highest earners over in the us now whether that gets through or not it's another matter but it could potentially set a precedent or at least start a conversation of that happening again you know what does sharing growth look like in the uk i'd be highly surprised if um, his response to the criticism that he's getting from his own party is to then go down the, ro- the road of trying to, say, introduce wealth tax or to increase capital gains tax rates, as we've been hearing in the last few years. I think there will be much more focus on trying to introduce measures that increase productivity, um, investing into businesses, reinvestment into people who have sold out of business, in, re- into, into new ventures. That's that's going to be the main thrust, I think, of his economic plan. And as part of that, he'll want to sort of appeal to the broad spectrum of voters that uh, they, they managed to win on side in the last election, which means, again, trying to support you know the, those who are struggling most in society at the moment. At the moment, it, it's a bit tone deaf. Yeah, I think the the other thing that was mentioned in the tax plan was the how many thousands of tax reliefs and and different moving parts there are in the tax system and trying to simplify that. So um, I, the, the the problem with that is it's not easy to do, um, and um, I don't think we'd get a necessarily a tax shocker of them scrapping things left, right, and centre and saying we're 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 simplifying this so everyone gets something or nobody gets something. But I can see more consultations. We we always see that with the budget 
come um, usually a week later we get a, a shed load of consultations some of which come off some of which don't um, some of which just sound like a great idea and uh, and, and drift away uh, a bit like the generally the changes to to pensions tax relief that always sounds like it's a really good idea until they realize how difficult it is to do so I think we might see them some of those different things you know changing I mean you've got sort of um, you've got your dividend allowances your savings allowances but they they, they vary by what how much tax you pay and, and all those different bits to become very complex for the average person on the street and it would feel probably for a lot of people that if you simplify things that they're likely to get more even if in essence a, a bit like with the national insurance sounds like a big jump but actually it's only 300 pounds a year for those people who are fully impacted by it for, for for a lot of people they won't get that full 300 because they'll be impacted by the other change with the health and social care levy so you know there, there's all those, those those different things um that that could happen I guess we just have to wait for November now and see what's coming our way. Got a few months. <laughs> well, Claire, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Tune in next week where we will discuss other goings on in the industry. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.